Hi, and welcome to episode 196 of No Crying in Baseball, the Yes, They Are Family, They're Our Fans episode. My name's Patty, and I'm here with my friend Junior Potty Mouth. Hi, Junior Potty Mouth. Hi, Patty. So Potty Mouth is on vacation right now. So we have, you know, emergency backup, Junior Potty Mouth, in her stead. But why can't I say who you are? Because I'm Junior Potty Mouth. And we figured, you know, Blake was here, what, two weeks ago? And he did a really, I thought he did a very good job of showing how someone should stand in. And a part of that was that he said his name. And you always say your name. But, you know, Potty Mouth, that's a secret. So I got to be a secret, too. Them's the rules. Them's the rules. Them's the rules. Um, hey, did you have anything exciting happen to you this week? Not really so much. <laughs> no? No, see, I did. I had one exciting thing happen to me this week. So, yeah, you know, you may, you may have heard that I go to these Thunderbolts games, this, like, you know, college baseball league game, and I play the dang trivia contest every time, and my rule is I cannot use the Google machine to answer these questions. I have to, if I don't know the answer, I can't answer the question, and... I knew the answer, and the answer was Cleveland, the Jake, which I better know because, you know, land of my birth. And not only did I know the answer, but I won. And let me just say, watch out, sweet frog frozen yogurt, because here I come to collect my freebie. On today's show, there's going to be a little bit of Davy Martinez appreciation in a couple different categories. So, you know, so bear with me because I can't stop thinking this guy is just the best thing ever. Um, the police blotter is seriously police blotter this week, starting with a shooting outside of Nats Park, um, more domestic violence crap, um, and some weird domestic violence uh, investigation news. kind of surprised me. We've got your All-Star Game Week recap and fallout. The COVID report involves the Olympics, the Yankees, and oh, Canada. And um, yeah, it's Women in Baseball Week, so we're pretty excited about that. But let's get started with the serious stuff. Um, last night, we record on Sunday as usual, and last night, you probably know by now, there was a shooting right outside of Nationals Park. It was um, at basically on the street right in front of the third base gate, which is immediately behind where our usual seats are. You know, we sit up high, but on the third base side, and the reports from people who sit in that area were, it felt like it was, it was in fact like right below them. And if they just stood up and turned around and looked out, you know, through the fence outside the stadium, they could see the police, they could see all kinds of things happening. On, happening. And it looked kind of terrifying in the ballpark. Um, there were three gunshot victims. So far, the police are saying that it looked like it can't, went from the shooting was from one car to another. Um, they don't believe it was related to Nationals Park in any way other than that's just where the cars were driving. I mean, it's a pretty big street. Um, but... The you know there was kind of mayhem inside of the ballpark because people didn't know what was going on and you know the public address announcer tried to get everybody to stay in their seats for a while and then said okay leave, but in the meantime there was a lot of running around because the shots were heard through the whole ballpark. If you look at clips from the broadcast of the game, you can actually hear the gunshots. But um, on the bright side, there there were some heroes involved here. Yeah, and I am. I'm sorry to do this to Potty Mouth this week while she's gone because she's not really here to defend her side of it. And it's not, it would be funnier if it, he had done something good in a different context. But from the Padres, Manny Machado and, of course, Tatis, who is a big fan, or is well-liked on this pod, um, they went into the stands and got fans and brought them into the dugout. And that included opening the gate that the security officers were trying to keep closed between the stands and the field. So by all accounts, they were 
helpful, especially when nobody really knew what was going on. So I, I know that the official potty mouth stance is that she doesn't like Manny Machado so much, but I, I hopefully, I haven't talked to her about it, hopefully she thinks that he was able to move past that a little bit last night. Yeah, a lot of fans, I mean, initially it was a family of players, but then also just general fans who were sitting in the same areas were ushered through um, dugouts and ended up being both dugouts eventually and like underneath the stadium. And so a lot of people ended up kind of going through the Nationals clubhouse, whether they were technically supposed to be there or not. And there's a story in the Washington Post of some fans who ended up there and saw Davey Martinez and a security guard said, are you family? And Davey walked in and said, there are fans, they're family. And the security guard then kind of pinned, okay, yeah, but are they players' families? And it's like, no, but and the, and the security guard took care of them and just kind of moved them, you know, to, you know, just outside the clubhouse, but in, you know, farther in underneath. So the safe place and all that. But God bless you, Davey, for kind of standing up for, I don't care who's in here, keep people safe, you know, just get everybody out of the line of fire, which was pretty great. Um, one of the things that this highlighted is even though before every single game, when we get there early enough to see it, they have their big sort of flight attendant, look for your nearest exits, here are the floating arrows that you need to follow in case of emergency. All of a sudden, everybody realized there's no lockdown plan. Like, what if what you need to do is stay in the stadium and duck and cover? I mean, every school kid in this country multiple times a year now has to drill for active shooter lockdowns and like various levels of things. And and that doesn't, I don't think there was a plan. There sure didn't look like there was a plan. And I don't know if any other stadiums have them either. To follow that up, last week we talked about um, in Denver for the All-Star game, the, I know my, my hero who I don't think actually ended up getting to throw out a first pitch is the person on the housekeeping staff for that hotel in Denver who identified that there, hey, there's weapons in this room and therefore they busted this huge cache of, of, of long guns and whatever. And so three men ended up getting arrested for federal firearm crimes. So uh, a disaster averted there. There's still questions about whether they were really going to open fire from their balcony, but now there's no chance of that. So that's most excellent, but it's it's scary because, you know, one of the things I don't like is now everyone's talking about how, oh, yeah, it would be dangerous to be in a ballpark if somebody opened fire because now people are probably thinking about, huh. And I thought, well, you know, you have to go through um, metal detectors to get in the park. And then I remember our friend, the streaker, who basically rode a bike in to the back end of the stadium right out onto the field and then, you know, was on the Skittles tarp. So fascinating. Yeah, I've seen videos of public high schools that had stronger security than most of the ballparks have ever been in. Yeah, I'm hoping this is going to change now, but we'll, we'll, that remains to be seen. In slightly lighter news about the All-Star Game, we have reports, we have observations, we have what I think Potty Mouth was thinking during the All-Star Game, because we were in the same room. <laughs> But I figured as, I think I'm the the youngest guest on this podcast who was not a youth baseball player. So I figured I would go ahead and take that and make my, my youth correspondent report about who these people were in the celebrity softball game and why they were all there. Because I didn't watch it, but I kept seeing videos on TikTok to um, give everybody an idea of how old I am. <laughs> I've heard of that, the TikTok yeah. machine. <laughs> and 
I don't. Some of them are just celebrities. And it's like there were some NFL players there. There were the retired MLB players. Jenny Finch was there. And all of that makes sense to me. But there were a couple um, musicians that I didn't know knew anything about sports. So like Quavo, I believe, was pitching. And he's a rapper from Migos, which is a, a rap group. And Kane Brown was there, who's a very bad country singer. Ouch. And so that that was already kind of a lot. And then there were two TikTokers that I didn't know really understood anything about sports until I saw them. And so I am wondering, like, what what did you hear about this, Patty, before I really get into who they were? I, after the, watching the Home Run Derby, you know, the, the ESPN kicked into the broadcast of the softball game and they ran through... I, I thought it was the whole list, but then I didn't hear a lot of some of the people that you said that I would have known, like, say, Jenny Finch, because, you know, I'm old. But I didn't recognize a single freaking name that they said. I had never heard of anybody they said until they said Anthony Mackie. And I was like, woo, Anthony Mackie. And then Potty Mouth said, who's that? And I was disappointed because I thought Mr. Potty Mouth had been working on the whole Marvel Universe thing. But honest to God, he was the only person I'd even heard of. I'm like, I, I don't know you. I f- cannot possibly feel any older than I do right now. That's where I was. Yeah, so the the two that made me feel old, even though I think I'm about the same age as them, was Noah Beck, who I, I don't understand what he does. He's just on TikTok. And because of the way TikTok works, you only see the videos that the algorithm thinks you're interested in. So I've seen his videos maybe twice. And I still really didn't get to see him do anything in the softball game. But the other one was Jojo Siwa, who was a child star and who I thought was 12 until very recently when I found out that she was 18. So I... No, I like I thought that she was 12 and before that that she was 11 and everything. Like, she was on Dance okay. Moms, if that helps. Doesn't help. That's okay. She was on Dance Moms. <laughs> And, but we found out that she actually did used to play softball when she was growing up. And it showed because she doubled in her first at bat right after, I I believe an NFL player was before her and he either struck out or grounded out. I don't remember. And then she doubled, stand-up double because they can't really slide. And then on the next at bat, she actually came home and she did slide into home very well for someone who was not wearing sliding pants. <laughs> so it, she had she had like the baseball pants on, but there was a gap between the socks. So she clearly was about to slide and then realized that she was going to tear her leg up and just kind of sat down. But like the form was there. So I feel like she should get the point right. for that anyway, you know. Very nice. And then Very my, nice. other, my one other report from the Celebrity Softball Game highlights that I watched is that they should really wear cleats because everyone was falling. Like, several people who I believe were introduced as athletes just wiped out, like, rounding first. And so I, I think that they should have to wear cleats. I don't know why they don't. And you got to believe that would be such an excellent sponsorship opportunity that someone would easily provide those cleats. But right. I was going to say, you know how MLB players, like, auction off their cleats all the time like you know what would do better than pete alonzo's cleats jojo siwa's cleats noah beck's cleats what that would do that would get a whole other group of people bidding right and or begging their parents to bid 
for them to get those cleats, people who wouldn't ordinarily do that. So I think you're onto something. Nice job, Junior Potty Mouth. Hey, so the Derby happened. I had a great time watching the Derby. And if you remember last week, we were like, okay, we're going to give you our predictions, but you'll already have seen the Derby by the time the, the show drops. So, oh, well. And everything about our predictions was wrong. Every single thing. We said Otani, of course, but in our hearts, we wanted Soto. And we got Soto for one round. And none of us, even though Pete Alonso has been my boyfriend in the past, none of us thought uh, Pete was going to be repeat. And there he was. So my, my disappointment with Pete was that why wasn't anybody like, you know, fanning him and giving him drinks and hugs and stuff like in between, like everybody else was getting? I, I, I don't know if it's because he was way too focused because, he, as he says, he's the best power hitter in the world. I thought that was a little much for him to say that. But um, it, it was still so much freaking fun to watch. I like it so much better than the All-Star game. One thing that I like coming out of it is some of the guys who participate use it as a way to do good for others. And Shohei Otani is one of those guys, and apparently he had committed to donating his entire winnings no matter what level he won at. Like, So if he had been the big winner in a million dollars, he would have given all of that away. So he has a $3 million salary this year and had a chance to get another million dollars. In this case, it was $150,000 because he didn't make it out of the first round. Um, I got to say, yay Juan Soto, but you know. But he gave every bit of that away to approximately 30 staff members of the Angels team. That includes trainers, clubhouse staff, media relations. He just wrote a boatload of checks and handed them out because he appreciates the workers around him. And I appreciate him for that big time. On a much lower level, but I also thought it was kind of fun, um, my my uh, former ace boyfriend, Matt Olson, um, you probably have seen the clip of this where there was a fan trying to catch one of his home runs during the derby and they flipped over a railing and they fell probably eight or 10 feet to the, you know, to the, um, the tunnel next to them. And of course, because they were busy falling, didn't catch the ball. Matt Olson got on Twitter and asked for help finding that guy. And that guy got identified and Matt arranged for him to get not only a signed ball, but also a signed baseball bat. And I thought that was a pretty good dude thing, kind of, kind of dude thing to do. Yeah, I think that I don't know if it's because I've been more on baseball Twitter this year, but I do think that I've definitely seen an increase in people trying to do that kind of stuff. Like, I'd, when Joey Votto got tossed, and then he had to go find the little girl who was so excited to see him play. And it's just nice to see, especially because this season's been so weird. Indeed. So who else was doing good stuff? Was it a, an Oriole friend of ours? It was an Oriole friend of ours. And as as the Orioles corresponded that I've just named myself, <laughs> um, <laughs> I actually did not watch the Home Run Derby because I was at a different baseball event. But I was sitting with a lot of people who are baseball fans from Maryland, because it was parents of players. And so they were all big Orioles fans. And none of us were watching the Home Run Derby, because we were watching the game. And then the second the game we were watching ended, I had a text about Trey Mancini being in the final, and I suddenly became the most popular person in the section. Yeah, so the game was over, and apparently nobody else knew how to set up alerts from... (laughs) at bat or ballpark or whichever MLB app would have told you what was happening because everyone wanted to know how Trey Mancini was doing and who he had beaten and who else was in it it's like guys I don't know like I just it's from my mom it just it just says Trey Mancini is in it I'm sorry but 
I, I was disappointed that he didn't win. I felt bad for not thinking he was going to get this far. I kind of forgot he was in it until he started. And so I started getting texts from people who were watching it about him. But he's doing two different things with his participation in the Home Run Derby. And both of them are really good. One of them makes a little bit more sense than the other one. So the first one is pretty simple. It's just a partnership with Pepsi where they're going to donate $250 to his foundation for each home run that he hit throughout the, um, the home run derby. And that's good. And it's good to see corporations giving back. And, you know, so that's, that's nice. I'm glad that he was able to do that. I'm glad that he has a foundation set up that that money can go into. And then the second one I had to do a lot of reading about, and I'm still not 100% sure that I understand it. Um, so I don't know if you're familiar with cryptocurrency, but it's like that, but worse. That's not like a real thing, though, is it? Isn't that like fake money? No, it, it's well, it's fake money, but then it's applicable in the real world. So it's kind of like stocks. you're making that up. No, I'm not. <laughs> it's kind of like stocks. And then there's like different kinds of it. So like Bitcoin is the most popular one, but it's whatever. I wish I was joking. I wish I was joking. Anyway, NFTs, which is what Trey Mancini is working with is cryptocurrency, but more confusing. And NFT stands for non-fungible token. Fungible is in there? I mean, yeah. it's not the F word I would choose when it gets this nutty, but okay. Yeah. So that's an NFT. And I basically what it is, and I've read a lot of articles to explain this to me, is it's basically a trading card that's online. So it can be a digital copy of pretty much anything that can be digitized. So you, you buy the ownership of the work, but not the copyright, which is more confusing when it gets into art. But for what athletes and sports teams have been doing, and MLB has been trying to get into the NFT game for a little bit now, and some individual players do it as well, but so basically you can buy, like, you can get ownership of things like a video of someone doing something. So you could probably buy the right to Bryce Harper's first home run as a Philly or like a specific digitized thing. And so they're also limited edition. So they sell for thousands of dollars sometimes. So if you, you can buy the only copy of this thing. And of course, the issue with this is because it's digital, you can just download it. So right. like people can still copy it. But NFTs come with like a certificate of like, this is the real thing. I don't remember what they call it, but it's, it's somehow different. My brain hurts already. And what did Trey Mancini do with this? So he was selling um, NFTs that at a set value, it wasn't an auction thing, which is how it usually goes. So he partnered with a, a company that I believe works with NFTs a lot. Wish I could give you more information about that. There were no English words I recognized on the page. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he, he was selling them for, I think, $195. And then the part that makes sense to me is some of the NFTs, like they were going to select randomly people to get a physical object. So the bat he used in the derby, signed cleats, I think signed batting gloves, that kind of stuff. So I don't, I don't know why you wouldn't just 
boxes. Do that part. But yeah, whatever, whatever. It's fine. But so he was selling these NFTs for $195 and all of the proceeds went to his foundation to raise awareness for early detection of colon cancer. So that's nice. And it's good that he's doing, he's making so much, um, I don't want to say change, but he's trying so many different ways to raise money for this cause that clearly is important to him. And even though he didn't win the home run derby, like he's doing a little bit better than Alonzo, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he certainly, once Otani was out, he was definitely, I think, the emotional favorite for a lot of people because of who he is and because of his story. And I did see a little buzz online to Pete, to Pete Alonzo saying, hey, how about you donate your, some of your winnings to his foundation? But I never saw a response about that. But that I could totally buy into. Hey, um, Major League Baseball put some money in a place I believe in. So I'm really happy about that. We've talked a lot about the Players Alliance, which is an organization made up of current and past MLB players of color who are working for social justice issues and to also increase the participation of black youth in baseball and make a pathway and um, and make baseball more accessible in communities where it's not accessible. So Major League Baseball on, um, I think it was Home Run Derby Night itself, pledged up to $150 million to the Players Alliance over 10 years. And it's going to work like this. Starting in 2023, they're going to give $10 million straight up every year for 10 years. Plus, they will match donations raised by the Players Alliance up to another $5 million every year. So it could equal $150 million. And the Players Alliance has done a really good job of fundraising and getting the word out about what they do. So that's actually pretty cool. And this is absolutely the largest investment that MLB ever made to increase black representation on the field, but also among coaches and managers in the front office and all aspects of the game. So this is, this could be a big deal. So I'm hoping, um, hoping this works. I'm hoping this works. I like to see them putting some money behind their mouth instead of just saying, Hey, it's important to us that we're a diverse group. I have boyfriend news that has nothing to do with all-star games or gunfire. So I'm excited about that. Um, my uh, Padres boyfriend, uh, Jake Cronenworth, hit for the cycle. It was the second cycle hit this year. Both of those cycles were hit in Nats Park, one by a national and one against the nationals. And that would be Jake Cronenworth. But I got a little bit, a little bump. I got a little bump on the fantasy team. And I'm really proud of Jake because I really like him. In weird news, what's surprising news, uh, Jack Peterson, my former boyfriend, um, back when he was on the Dodgers, who was a, and then he was a Cub this year, just surprised the heck out of everyone by getting traded to Atlanta for not much in return. But, I mean, it makes a lot of sense for Atlanta now that Acuna Jr. is out for the rest of the season. They need a big bat. And um, Jack Peterson is there for that. But um, I think a lot of Cubs are pretty sad about that. And, and I understand that. Uh, we always do a COVID report. And we're going to do a little cross-training. We're going to mix our cross-training with our COVID report. You may have heard of this thing called the Olympics. Yeah, you wear the Olympics? More or less, yeah. yeah. More or less. <laughs> uh, well, I, more familiar than I am with, say, NFTs, I'm thinking. I don't know. I feel safe in saying that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. So Olympics are coming up. They're happening in Japan, as you all know, um, who was under a state of emergency because of COVID. They've had five straight days of more than a thousand new cases every single day. And yet the Olympics are still scheduled to go on, even though they'll be going on without spectators. Well, um, 
they said, okay, we're going to do this great job and no one's, it's not going to be a problem. We're going to test people before they come. We're going to test them as soon as they arrive. It's going to be great. So yesterday, two athletes and one staff member living in Olympic Village, which hosts thousands of athletes and staff, tested positive. Um, all three of those people, the two athletes and the staff person, were from the same country and, for this, and the same sport. Um, and they were tested before travel and upon arrival. And they are now, the three of them, tested positive. So they're in isolation and there's contact tracing going on. Similarly, three members of the South African soccer delegation tested positive. Now, they were referred to as being in camp. So I think they are in the country, but I think they are off-site. I don't think they're in the Olympic Village. Also, one um, actual um, Olympic organizing committee member, an IOC member, tested positive upon arrival. Uh, so I think things may start spinning a little bit out of control. And I just I feel for the athletes. I mean, I, I don't like that the Olympics are happening with my public health hat on. I don't like that. But in my heart, I think these athletes already didn't get their chance last summer and they're running out of time and out of chances. And I want them to be able to compete for this thing they've been training for their whole lives. But I want, I want it to be safe. Um, damn Yankees. Uh, six Yankees, six Yankees, including Aaron Judge and Gio Urshela, are on the COVID IL. If you remember, we've talked about this before, that because so many, so many, but not enough uh, players have been vaccinated, MLB has moved to only doing regular monitoring testing for unvaccinated players unless somebody comes up positive and you as a vaccinated player were a close contact then you get tested and go through all this stuff. So, um, yeah, six Yankees on the COVID IL, um, some of them not vaccinated, some of them vaccinated. Um, the thing that scared the bejesus out of a lot of us were um, was that Aaron Judge is one of the people who tested positive, and he escorted Billy Aaron, uh, Hank Aaron's widow, for that lovely pregame ceremony for the All-Star game. You know, arm in arm, very sweet, very close, Two days later, he showed up positive. Thankfully, the first test that she did came back negative. There'll be another test uh, probably before you hear this episode. I think it's going to happen on Monday. But fingers are crossed that 84-year-old Mrs. Hank Aaron, Billy Aaron, comes out okay with us because that's not good. Not good. Um, Rockies, our hosts for the All-Star Game, four players and their manager and their first base coach are all on the I.L., um, as of Friday, this happened before their first game after the All-Star break, which was going to be with the Dodgers. Um, it didn't affect that game. They just were not there. It didn't postpone the game, whereas the Yankees game on Thursday was, in fact, postponed because I think they were still trying to sort everything out. The good COVID-related news is the Blue Jays are allowed to go home to Canada. They've gotten this exception that allows them to play back at the Rogers Center starting on July 30th. They have very careful protocols that they have to follow and that the visiting teams have to follow, including pre- and post-arrival testing of all players and all team personnel. Um, unvaccinated players and personnel have to receive additional four tests every week. Um, the unvaccinated players have a modified quarantine. They can't leave the Rogers Center or the attached hotel, which was how their, um, their uh, 
they were doing their their training and stuff last year in the weird season. They were keeping them sort of bubbled that way. The unvaccinated players have to be bubbled in that way, which I think is super smart. So hopefully that will work out. I'm sure they're all really excited to be home. They haven't played in the Rogers Center since the end of the 2019 season. It's a long time to not be home. Back to the police blotter. I'm sorry that we are so nationals heavy. It's just that all the all the wrong things other than COVID are happening right here at home with the nationals right now. And the one that ticks me off the most, because there's always one that ticks me off the most, is Starlin Castro, who's been a really terrific addition on the field for the nationals infielder, was put on administrative leave starting Friday for a domestic violence investigation. And this brought to light that he was accused of sexual assault in 2011 when he was with the Cubs. I had no idea. Interestingly, this was before MLB's domestic violence policy took effect. And so, and, and to, as a reminder, MLB can investigate accusations even if the legal system chooses not to or if the, the victim anyone refuses to press charges, MLB will still investigate. That's since 2015. This was in 2011. So when this domestic violence, sexual assault charge was made in 2011, um, no charges ended up being brought. So they, they dropped the legal investigation. So therefore, he must be fine and let it go. And uh, this time, that will not stand. And back to the Davey Martinez appreciation portion of this podcast. Um, Davey came right out and said, what I can tell you about me and this organization, we do not tolerate any kind of domestic abuse. I think it's awful. He's going to be on administrative leave. After that, there'll be an investigation. He will not be with the team. Contrast this with how Dave Roberts dealt with Trevor Bauer. He's like, oh, he's probably going to pitch on Sunday. You know, MLB will tell us if we need to take any action. We, we're not going to do anything. So, But this Davey, we have the good Davey, apparently, right? So Davey Martinez, when he told the team about Starlin Castro, he said he made it very clear, domestic violence will not be tolerated in this clubhouse, on this team, with us. And right on. Right on, Davey. Um, thank you. Thank you for speaking out about that. One more thing that I neglected to mention earlier about Davey, when he was um, handling the, sh- the, the shooting near Nats Park very well, the other concern he expressed were the, for the people who work in the stadium, the vendors, the ushers. I mean, he was like very, he emphasized, you know, the fans are a family and all that, but he did not leave out the workers. He paid attention to that. And I love him for that, too. On a surprising note, we talked several weeks ago, back in April, when um, Nat's broadcaster, F.P. Santangelo, was taken off the air because there was a a domestic abuse, anonymous accusation made about him. And MLB chose to help investigate because he's a former player. So they didn't leave it to just the the station for which he works. MLB took charge of this and they could not corroborate the accusations. They found no evidence to back up what what his accuser had said. And so he's back on the air. So that's I find that fascinating. Like, OK. All right. I don't know how to feel about that, but this is the only time I've ever heard of MLB's investigation not turning anything up. So there's that. Back to Trevor Bauer. Just briefly, we mentioned, hey, he's got that bobblehead night coming up in in August. What 
whatever are they going to do? The Dodgers decided we're going to replace that with a with a um, Clayton Kershaw um, World Series champion T-shirt giveaway that night. So yay for that. It's Women in Baseball Week starting today on Sunday. And the best part about Women in Baseball Week is that the Baseball for All Nationals tournament started today and it goes through July 22nd and it's not too far out of our neighborhood at the Cal Ripken Experience which is the name of his big facility out in Aberdeen which is a very nice facility so I'm glad that these 500 girls which is the this is the biggest girls baseball tournament ever in this country get a kick-ass park a series of parks in which to play that hopefully will make them feel like they are worthwhile and loved and talented and deserve every single thing that they get. And a bonus that I just found out is a bunch of those games are being streamed online. So if you want to watch some girls baseball, we will link to that in the notes. And um, I hope you get to do that because these girls kick some baseball butt. Hey, are you going to Aberdeen? I am going to Aberdeen. It sounds like it's actually going to be right after the day or after the game for this for that day finish of the baseball for all tournament but i'm going for the cal ripken collegiate wooden bat league all-star game uh, against team israel the olympic team so confusing why we're playing them it'll be fun i'm sure but the exciting part that i learned about was i was at work and there's always little kids running around i work for a baseball team and they like to run by the dugout which is where i usually am and we were playing a team whose assistant coach is a volunteer head coach for one of the DC girls baseball teams. And I was talking to a little girl who was next to me because she was watching the game and I stand in the place where there's a good view of the game. So she had come up to also watch the game with me. She was like, that's my coach over there. Okay, cool. She said, yeah, we're going to, we have a tournament next week. I like, wait, are you going to, are you going to be in the baseball for all tournament? She said, yeah, that's my coach. It's like, all right. I'm glad. I'm excited for you. And so I, I didn't have like a really long, drawn out conversation with her about the baseball for all tournament, but she was excited. And then apparently that coach is going to have to go straight from this tournament to the game in which some of her players from this league are playing. <laughs> so she was a little girl was like, well, at least she'll already be there. Yeah. Good way to look I, at I it. I like that the kid is making with the logistics for that. She That's really, awesome. She really was. I asked if she was going to go to the game and she was like, well, if I'm in Aberdeen already, it's like, but you, can you, you can't drive. You're 11. Why does this matter to you? <laughs> That's really cool. And she was excited and I'm excited. And um, feel free if you have a little bit of time to go back and watch our interview with several of the players from DC Girls Baseball who were all talking about their anticipation of this tournament. Um, stream it online. Have a good time. Enjoy. Enjoy this fantastic week for girls playing baseball. I am not going to go see the Cal Ripken Collegiate Bat League, Wooden Bat League play Team Israel because I'm going to a Nats game. Yes, right where we're going to walk right in that door where the gun, gunfire was because this is DC and it's like, okay, well, it wasn't about the ball game, so we'll be fine, right? The odds are we'll be fine because we're just weird like that. It's it's, it's a whole thing, but we're going to go to see the Nats play the Marlins, so okay. Also, not for nothing, Southeast D.C. used to have a lot more gunfire than it does now, so statistically. Right? Statistically, we should be fine. Oh, my God, I can't believe we talk like this, but we do. We do. Um, the other thing that's happening this week that I'm going to keep an eye on is um, – 
We talked several weeks ago about the Oakland A's trying to get a new ballpark built um, on the port in Oakland. And there's a lot of upheaval about that. And it's actually going to a vote with the Oakland City Council this Tuesday, the day that this episode drops. And it may determine if the A's end up staying in Oakland or go to Vegas. So pay attention to that. And we'll talk more about that next week. If you are not going to see Team Israel play a college team this week or going to a major league team or any other community baseball, please feel free to listen to some past episodes of No Crying in Baseball. Get caught up. If you've got friends you think would like to hear us talk about baseball, please let them know about us. You can always find us on social media. Junior Pottymouth, can you help with that? Yes, you can find us on Twitter at NPIV Podcast. <laughs> And on Facebook and Instagram at No Crying in B-Ball. Excellent. In the meantime, please, if you haven't been vaccinated, please get vaccinated. We got to protect Hank Aaron's widow. For God's sake, get your vaccine. Wear your masks when you're supposed to. Keep your distance. Fight the man all the time. Fight the man. And until next week, say goodnight, Junior Potty Mouth. Goodnight, Junior Potty Mouth. All right, we appear to be recording.